You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. You know, we are in the middle of this, this series called Be and Make, the ABCs of Discipleship, where we've been talking about the basics, the fundamentals of what it means to be a disciple. Because really, we need to know what a disciple is and how to be a disciple if we want to be a disciple-making church, if we want to be on mission with God, if we want to create biblical disciples in relational environments and reach the world for Jesus one person at a time, we have to first be a disciple ourselves. We have to know what it means to be committed to following Jesus, committed to being transformed by him and committed to being on mission with him. And that's what we've been discussing through this series. We started out talking about accepting. Accepting the gospel message, the good news about who Jesus is, the good news about what he has accomplished here on earth, what he put into motion while he was here. Accepting the invitation that he's extended to all of humanity to be his disciple. The choice to follow him is not like following someone on Instagram. You're not clicking the follow button on Jesus' Instagram and just hoping that he'll put up some cool reel or post that you are like, oh, that's fun, that's cool, Jesus, that's, I don't know that I'm in the mood to watch your reels today. I want to be me. No, when we decide to follow Jesus, when we make that choice, it is a choice to actively remain in a relationship with him to pursue him through reading the text and through prayer, through worship and through so many of the other spiritual disciplines that are out there. Because that's what it means to accept this role of being a disciple of Jesus. And last week we talked about how being a disciple means that we also have a place to belong. We've been invited to be a part of the family of God, to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, And what's really cool is that one of the things that God has given us during our time here on earth to to experience that is the church. It's this. A gathering of lots of different people, lots of different personalities, lots of different giftings to be able to come together and, and, and sense what the kingdom of God is going to be, experience what his kingdom is like where we can come together and not just here on a Sunday morning, but in our life groups and experience and grow together as we dive into the word and we get to know who Jesus is more and more each day. And that's where we've been so far in this series, talking about accepting this call, belonging to the church and to his family and to his kingdom and his mission. And today, today we're going to talk about something that I think is potentially the key to unlock the door to go into a deeper relationship with Jesus that you could never imagine. The thing that will remove the obstacles from your life, from you being stagnant in your spiritual growth. 
And I'm talking about the C in our ABCs, contribute. When I think about contributing, there are two main things that come to mind for me. Serving and giving. And now, I'm just going to address it real quickly because I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the aspect of giving today. But I know that when somebody on a stage in a church says giving, the first thing you think about that this person must be talking about is money. And that's not what I'm just talking about here. When I say giving, why giving is a part of contributing, it's much more than just you giving money back to the church for ministry. Actually, what Jesus talks about is giving all of you everything that you have. All of the resources that he's given you, all of the talents and gifts that he has given to you, all of the time that he has given you to give back to his kingdom and to his people. When we give, it leads us to, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, to service, to serve those, who's, those who are in our lives. We serve people through the skills and abilities that God has given us. We serve by using the resources that we have to help others. We serve by giving our tithes and our offerings to, to our church and to other ministries that are going out and trying to do the mission of God, bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. And we serve by giving our time to personally be a part of that mission to bring God's kingdom crashing into earth. And we do this so that we can be like our Lord, our Lord, our Savior, our King, Jesus. Because this is what he was about. And we see this in this uh, interaction that he has in Matthew chapter 20. If you have your Bibles, come over with me to chapter 20 of Matthew. Now, there's this interaction that happens in this chapter that gives us this wonderful picture about who Jesus is. It just gives us a fuller understanding of what he was about during his time on earth. So here's what happened. Let me set the stage for you before we read from the text. So Jesus and his disciples are up in the Galilee. It's the north part of Israel. And they're on their way up to Jerusalem. And they're moving that direction because it is the time for the Passover. And it's time for Jesus to face the hardest thing he's going to do. Because when he reaches Jerusalem, he's going to be arrested, he's going to be tried, and he's going to be executed on a cross. But on their way, this mother comes to Jesus. And she happens to be the mom of two of Jesus' disciples, James and John. And these two guys are part of the twelve, but they're actually they're part of the inner three. Jesus had these three disciples, Peter, James, and John, that he would always grab and kind of take them off. And they would experience things that the other disciples did not. 
But one day, this, the mom comes to Jesus, and she says, Jesus, I have something to ask of you. He's like, what do you have? She says, when you come into your kingdom, when you have done the thing that you are, have come here for, when you have taken over and your kingdom is established, will you please let my sons sit on your right and your left? Will you give them the seats and places of honor and influence in your kingdom? And Jesus looks at her and goes, you don't know what you're asking You don't know what I'm going to have to go through. And if they want to be there, they have to go through it too. And he looks at the two of them. He says, can you guys do this? Can you go through this? And they're like, yeah, we can do it, Jesus. He's like, yeah, you will. But it's not my place to say who gets to sit on my right and my left. That's for the Father. The funny thing is, is as this whole conversation is happening over here, you have the other ten disciples who are hearing the whole thing. And they start to get mad. Like, what in the the world? How dare you ask to be placed there? Here's my theory. I, I don't, I wonder if it's not that they're mad because they had the gall to ask it. I wonder if they're mad because James and John beat them to it. Because there's other times you see these guys arguing about who's the greatest in the kingdom. I don't wonder if it really gets their goat because they got the mom to do it for them. Like, who can say no to mom? But look how Jesus responds to them after this conversation happens. In verse 25 of, of chapter 20, Jesus says this. Jesus called them together, and he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them their authority, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. Jesus is saying to these guys, look, what we're doing here, what we are putting into motion is unlike anything that you know. It is completely opposite of everything that you have ever understood about a kingdom and authority. Completely different than what you expect from people who are in power and influence. Their main focus is on themselves. How to get more influence, how to get more power, how to to make their life more comfortable, regardless of how it will affect those who are around them but not us, not my disciples. You want to follow me? You want to follow Jesus? You want to be like me? Then you will be about others. You will find ways to lift others up above yourself. You will be a servant to all, no matter what their station in life is, and you will serve in every way possible. 
because there is nothing that is below you. You know, Jesus is not just giving him lip service. It's not as I have done many times in my own life with my kids, do as I say, don't do as I do situation here. Because a little bit later, just a few days later, after they have reached Jerusalem, they're there for the Passover feast, which is the time that all of Israel is supposed to be in Jerusalem celebrating how God had come and rescued them and delivered them from Egypt. And Jesus is in the famed upper room having that last supper with his guys. And while he's there, he does something very unexpected. He gets up from the table that they were lying around. He takes off his outer cloak and he wraps it around his waist. And he goes and grabs a basin of water. And then he goes to each one of his disciples and kneels down at their feet and begins to wash them. All 12 of them. Now think about this for a minute. The act of washing another person's feet. Some of you, I'm sure, think it's gross. Some of you are like, I don't even like to touch my own feet. Why the heck would I want to touch somebody else's that's been sweating in a pair of shoes all day? But I can assure you that your imagination of what that would be like does not compare to what this actually was going on. This is during the first century. Around 30 AD, right? These guys are not walking around in a fresh pair of Jordans through the Galilee and through the streets of Jerusalem. They're wearing sandals. Think about your own feet. When you are, have a pair of flip-flops on or your Tevas and you're walking down dirty, dusty roads or down into the, the beach, how dirty do your feet get by the end of the day? They're pretty nasty. Maybe just mine. I don't know. These guys are in sandals, walking down streets, walking down dirt paths that livestock are going down also dropping their little presents along the way for you to step into or kick. And as you go into a city, it's, just, it's not just the feces of animals that is now mixed into what you're walking through, but that of the populace as well. I don't think they had indoor plumbing. And if they did, it was probably like what I experienced when I was overseas for a year in 2004. We were in a pretty modern city, about the size of Moscow. There was about 100,000 people in there. But as you walked down the streets, you had to be careful because along the edges, there were these little gutters, open gutters, that all the houses were tied into. And it wasn't rainwater that was washing into these gutters. It was human waste. And if you slipped into those things, it was pretty nasty wearing a pair of combat boots to step in one of those accidentally. 
I cannot even imagine what it would have been like if I was wearing my, my flip-flops. That's pretty gross. But this is, this is the time that these guys are in. This is what they're walking through. And so Jesus, when he comes to them, and he takes off their sandals, and he's washing all of that off their feet, it is sending a message to them. And I want to read to you from John chapter 3 what that message was. Or 13, John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse 12, it says this. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example. You should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who has sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus set the expectation of what it looks like to serve. He set the expectation of what we should be willing to do as we serve one another. And that expectation is anything. It's everything. If we want to follow Jesus, if we want to call ourselves his disciples, if we want to take on the name Christian, there is nothing in this world that we should not be willing to do to serve other people, to serve one another. There is not a single thing that is below us. Because our king washed feet. Our Lord served those who were supposed to serve him. But that's not the world that we live in today, is it? We live in a culture today that has not only created the expectation that we will be served, but it has created the belief that we deserve to be served. I don't know about you guys, but it has been far too easy at times in my life to walk into a room, to walk into a restaurant, or even a church, and ask myself, how are they going to serve me today? What am I going to get out of this time in this restaurant, in this church? And what happens is when we have those experiences and they don't meet our expectations, we don't feel like we've been served there, we take our business somewhere else. It's time to stop going to that restaurant because 
that waitress never gave me enough refills. It took too long to sit down. I go to another church because that worship was not the one I like. The pastor was not that great. They asked me to do something. And so we go somewhere else. And we ask the same questions over and over. What am I going to get out of this? How can they be serving me? This is what holds us back as disciples, guys. It's what causes our growth in our relationship with Jesus and our growth in spiritual maturity to stall and to stagnate because we choose to remain self-focused, self-centered in our faith. And we're only concerned about what we are getting out of the situation, what God is doing for us or what a church is doing for us. But that's not who Jesus called us to be. He called us to be different. He called us to choose to contribute to the kingdom of God, to be an active part of it through service, through giving. And when you do that, there's this really amazing thing that happens. The Holy Spirit begins to work in your heart and begins to soften it and change it. And you go from asking the question, how can I be served here to how may I be of service? God, how may I serve your kingdom at this restaurant? How may I serve your kingdom at this church that you've brought me to? You know, when my wife and I first uh, started going to church together after we got, shortly after we got married, um, I, I grew up in a Christian home. I went to a Christian high, uh, high school, so I was inundated with Christianity and all the things. But when we went to our first church together, like, I was still very much in a place in my life where I was like, how is this place going to serve me? And we went to a church that my little brother had been going to and recommended to us, and so we went there, and we brought our three-year-old son over to the, the children's ministry to check him in, and they were amazing. They were really smiley and were very welcoming to us for us being at their, our first time there. And then they say, look... We love that you guys are here. Just, we just got to be up front and let you know. Like, if this is the church that you choose to belong to, for your son to continue to be a part of children's ministry, you have to serve in children's ministry also. And I was like, let's find somewhere else. Like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to volunteer in the children's ministry. Unfortunately, we really like the church. We kept going back, which meant I had to volunteer my time in children's ministry. And I have to be honest with you all, I don't think that I've ever felt called in my life to be in children's ministry. And that attitude kept coming up every time that we got scheduled. Like it was only like every four to six weeks or something like that, but our time would come up. And the week leading up to our Sunday, like I'd start to get cranky. 
I'd start to get angry, and then the weekend would hit, and then I'd start to come up with excuses. Like, I can't be doing that. No, I'm feeling sick. I'm tired. I can't do it. And every time Kathy's like, shoot all those excuses out of the sky, you're showing up. And I would go out of guilt and obligation. And I'd sit through the first service, and I'd be miserable because I'd just be thinking about having to serve in children's ministry the next service. And so I wasn't present during worship, heard nothing being said by the pastor. And we'd go to the room, and I would just be, you know, head down. It was no secret that I didn't want to be there. But families would start to bring their kids and check in their two- and three-year-olds, and they were always so thankful. Thank you so much for being willing to serve. I'm like, yeah, I know, I'm volunteering. Who cares? I have to. But they'd drop their kids off, and then they'd take off, and then we would start our time with them. And I'd get down on the floor, and I'd get to playing with the kids and playing games and stuff and reading them books and Bible stories and stuff. And the craziest thing would happen. The longer that I was there, the more the Holy Spirit began to break apart the hardness of my heart. And before I knew it, the time was over, the parents were showing up to get their kids, and I'm like, oh man. We walk out of there together, and I look at Kathy, and I say, you know what, it wasn't that bad. I actually kind of enjoyed that. I wish I could say that the next time that we were up, that I started from that place. I didn't. I went back to zero, man. Because it took time for the Holy Spirit to change my heart. To change my mentality from going to be, I'm just volunteering my time in this ministry to I get the privilege of serving the families of this church, serving God's little kids and be a part of discipling them with their parents. I don't tell my story about this to try to guilt any of you into serving or make you feel obligated to go sign up for life for kids right now after service. But you should. (laughs) You should because it's actually really fun. It is so cool to be a part of a family who is trying to teach their kids to follow and love Jesus, to spend one hour a week with them to, to share Bible stories about who Jesus is, to sing worship songs with them. There is, it is such a fulfilling call that is all, it's for all of us. You don't have to be called to be in children's ministry. But just like what Julia was talking about in her testimony, like when you start, it is just volunteering your time. Because you're not quite sure. This, maybe I'm just speaking for myself. I was still doing it out of selfish motivation. Like I was there because I had to be for my son to be in there the other, other Sundays that I was at church. And it took time. And it took the Holy Spirit through all the other experiences that I had in volunteering and eventually serving in other ministries and other churches along the way in the last 20 years. 
I would not be where I am had I not served all along the way. If you want to grow in your faith, in your relationship with Jesus Christ, if you want to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, you serve, you contribute. And just like Julia said, it's not just here at the church. Like, this is the training ground. This is where you get to come in and and see what it's like to not be selfish. To serve other people that are trying to serve you as well. Because you're going to go out into the world and you're going to be at work. And there are going to be people there that you don't feel like you should serve at all. Like, they don't deserve it. But they do. Because they are made in the image of God just like you are. And so we learn here together what it looks like to be a disciple, to accept, to belong, to serve one another so that we can go out into the world and we can show the world that our God is different. The kingdom that he is bringing to earth that he wants everyone to be a part of is different than what they experience in their everyday lives. Because we think of others more highly than ourselves. Before we go on to our communion time today, I want to read for you guys from a letter that the the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Philippi. It's It's a section in here where he is encouraging the church onto good deeds, onto serving one another and giving them the reason why they should do that. I just want you guys to listen to this. And the words will be up on the screen, but just listen. And as you're processing through what God is trying to get at you today, what he's, what he's trying to work through you when it comes to contributing or even belonging or accepting this call to be his disciple... Just let these words wash over you and let God do whatever he wants to do with you on that. This is Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, therefore, if you have any, any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, If any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, make my joy complete by being like-minded, by having the same love, being one in spirit and mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his advantage. Rather he made himself nothing. 
by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. (coughs) Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, friends, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you. It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a war, warped and crooked generation. And then you're going to shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. The example that Jesus set for us. Guys, there's, there are very few of us who are going to be called to serve to the point of death. There are very few of us who will be ser- called to serve by going to the other side of the world with your family, with your three kids, to spend two years on a ship serving. But all of us have been called to serve. All of us have been equipped to serve. All of us can be feet washers. Now, on that night that Jesus washed his disciples' feet, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, This, guys, is my body. You've seen me me serve. And now I will serve to the point of death. This is my body that will be broken for you. Do this as often as you do in remembrance of me. Let us remember together how he has served us. And after the meal, he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. So as we remember today, let us not just remember how he has served, but let us remember how we are called to serve, just like he did. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, thank you that you love us so much that you do not want to leave us just like we are when we come to you. Lord, thank you that you give us opportunities and ways to experience you through your your text, through worshiping you, through prayer, through serving. 
Lord, thank you that you change our hearts to be more and more like your son, to reflect who he is. To those who we are around every day, Lord, to those who are in our church with us, to the world, to show this world that you are a different God, that you are a God that is willing to come down and serve and not be served. God, thank you. Lord, help us to look outside of ourselves. Lord, help us change our hearts, Lord, so that we will be about you, that we will be about your business, that we will look for ways that we can serve you and serve your mission of restoring peace. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.